Hi everyone, John Branning here, welcoming you to the first anniversary edition of my podcast, This Week at the Trump Poems. I launched the podcast in July of 2019, and regardless of snow or rain or heat or gloom of night or administrative malfeasance, I have managed to upload new casts every week since then. In the 12 months that have gone by since starting this endeavor, I've published over 200 Trump poems. So it's fair to say after a year of this, everyone is plum tuckered out. I've got four new Trump poems to share this week, and that brings the total since launching the website to an even 506. So let's get started with the new one, shall we? We'll start with Trump laying into NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. I'm sure you know the backstory here regarding Trump's tweet. When Trump's press secretary was asked to clarify just what the fuck Trump meant, she dodged, weaved, and lied with alacrity. This one is called Playing the NASCAR. Hey Bubba, are you sorry that you galvanized a hoax? Will you offer an apology to all of us white folks? It is clear that what you called a noose was nothing but a rope in a shape admired by racists, or perhaps a misanthrope. To see the other drivers who came to your aid? Appalling. And removal of that emblem of the South, the flag, was galling. Those great NASCAR drivers sacrificed their all, only to learn that a noose and what it stands for isn't really their concern. I've been criticized for making a big deal about this issue, how I clearly was mistaken when I tweeted that I wish you would express regret for something that you didn't set in motion. But I never deal with facts. My focus, always self-promotion. My base includes those people who watch cars race round the track. No one thinks that they're all racist, but my angle of attack was to make the implication that to ban the flag confederate would wreck the sport and not be viewed as something that would better it. When it comes to race relations, I do not seem to be winning, as I denigrate a sport defined by fast cars that are spinning round an oval, counterclockwise, on a surface made from blacktop. It's a shame that racial animus I've made the sport's new backdrop. Next up, Trump launched a horrendously ill-advised campaign to insist that schools must reopen this fall, focusing on classroom-based education. Literally no one other than Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos supports this initiative. I also slip in a mention of an allegation from Trump's niece's new book, where she accuses Trump of educational impropriety. The verse reflecting on this travesty is called A School's Errand. We must open schools once comes end of the summer. If schools don't reopen, then kids will be dumber. We must resume teaching with classroom-bound pupils. So what if the risk from the virus quadruples? If kids are in school, then their mothers and fathers can go back to work and rake in hard-earned dollars. If on the bus off to school each girl and boy went, we'd bypass the need to extend unemployment. The CDC guidelines are tough and expensive. The parents of school kids might be apprehensive about sending children back indoors for schooling, but if schools stay closed, I'll cut funding. No fooling. In Germany, Denmark, and Sweden, and Norway, their schools are wide open, 
As I've said before, they cannot hold a candle to testing we've done. That, and unlike right here, there the curve has been flattened. Children are young and sure bets to stay healthy. So that's why Mike Pence and I plan to compel the school districts in each state to open their doors up. We'll just have to deal with it once COVID soars up. The guidelines the CDC wrote are irrelevant. I know more than they do. I'm way more intelligent. We'll hand out new book bags and pencils and rulers and hope for the best with our return to schoolers. Once children are back at their desks, I'm suggesting, they'll be more successful at standardized testing. Of course, there are those who have sidestepped decorum and paid to have friends take their SATs for them. Trump dialed in to talk to his buddy and kitchen cabinet advisor Sean Hannity on Fox News, and unprompted he brought up that he'd recently undergone a cognitive assessment because the left wing was hounding him so much about his mental acuity. That's what the man said. Trump, of course, bragged about the results, and so this poem is called I'm Very Mental. I took a cognitive test and got 11 out of 10. The doctor said results like mine have not been seen since who knows when. It proves my brain is fully functioning and I'm in top shape mentally. And all my body's organs are outstanding, incidentally. They showed a picture of a cow and asked, what is it? I said, moo. Displayed a cartoon of a camel. I said, humps. And I see two. They flashed another illustration and said, last one, have a look-see. It was a picture of a lion. (laughs) I won't try to grab that pussy. I had to memorize a list of five diverse words it consisted. I said I knew all the best words and that none of them were listed. Then they had me counting backward, taking sevens from a hundred. I said we should just add billions so the border wall is funded. They used a section of the test to ascertain my language fluency. And here's how I responded. The Supreme Court's trying to ruin me. They asked what's the relationship of kisses to elections? I said both could now be stolen, only one without objections. I took the test at Walter Reed with many doctors in attendance. They applauded in amazement when I finished it. And then, since it's impossible for me to tell achievements without gloating, I compared my brain to Biden's. It's for mine. You should be voting. If you get a high score on many cognitive inspections, it does not mean you're a genius or deserve to win elections. It's intended to assess that you just meet a baseline grading and won't help you in the least if in the polls you're quickly fading. Last off the tee this week is a snappy little verse about Trump's completely unsurprising commutation of Roger Stone's prison sentence. As many of the comments I've read about this have pointed out, not even Richard Nixon attempted to absolve any of those involved in the Watergate cover-up. And here, Trump waived the sentence of a man who lied and interfered with an investigation into Trump's illegal behavior. A nice reward from Trump in exchange for Stone's stonewalling. This one is called, That Was a Commute Trick. I've commuted Roger's sentence. He'll serve no days in repentance for the lies he told the Congress. Quid pro quo and play for long? Yes. Roger tampered with a witness, but I couldn't care one whit less. 
he was guilty of obstruction. Have you seen his wife? She's buxom. Overzealous prosecutors went for Stone, but I was shrewder. I used presidential power to save him at the last hour. Stone's propensity for fiction goes way back to Richard Nixon. Now he's my friend. I have so few. So I said, hey, Raj, I owe you. William Barr, whom I should cite, just said the sentencing was righteous. But so much for his opinion. Quite a pickle. Now he's in one. I've abused the power I'm given, but I say, live and let live. Friends who find lawmen are too hard on them have learned that I will pardon them. So that wraps up this anniversary edition of the podcast. I went back to listen to some of those first episodes and they pretty much stunk. I think it's improved marginally since then. And I do genuinely thank you for listening. I, of course, would be thrilled and humbled if you'd share links to the podcast with your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, other online or even real life friends. I'll be back next week with more Trump poems. So I hope you'll join me then and into infinity, which is how long away November 3rd feels like right now. Take care. Stay safe. Be healthy.